You're listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs who have sold their companies and the advisors that help them. We elicit expert advice from exit planners, attorneys, merger and acquisition experts, accountants, business appraisers, and financial advisors, all with a goal of educating you about the sales process. Make sure to visit us on the web at divestopedia.com to see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business for the best price and terms. Whether you are thinking of selling, have started a sales process, or are post-deal, we aim to arm you with the knowledge required to maximize value and limit your downside risk. And now, here's your host, Noah Rosenfarb, a CPA and personal CFO to business owners planning their transition. Hi, this is Noah Rosenfarb here with the Divestopedia podcast and a great guest in Bruce Rosetto. Bruce is the co-managing shareholder of the Boca Raton office for Greenberg Traric. He represents public and private companies, um, investment banks, M&A candidates, and companies seeking financing. A very well-experienced counselor to business owners. Bruce, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Bruce, you know, our audience are primarily business owners that are thinking about exiting. What do you think they should be thinking about right now? Maybe a couple of things, top three things that they should be doing right now to prepare for an exit. Well, I think if, if 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 folks are are thinking about an exit sometime down in the future, uh, I hope that they first realize that this is not a very quick process. It's not usually a process that takes 30 or 60 days. Um, I like for the client to understand that in order to maximize the value of their business, uh, they need to really begin by uh, setting forth, you know, a, a, a plan of attack. And, and usually what I ask them to do, uh, as far as the top three things are concerned, is first um, organize their company and their, and their due diligence into a file data room. Um, it becomes very, very helpful, and it will help uh, shorten the process uh, in going through, you know, any valuation, whether it's with a, um, a potential suitor or with an investment bank or whatever. I also suggest that they get their professionals involved very early on in the process. Um, it's never too early to really start talking to either your investment bankers, your accountants, um, your lawyers, or other financial advisors, um, because their expertise will not only help guide you through the process, um, but will also uh, enable you to uh, discuss what strategies might work best, um, either either for yourself or your family, um, as you put together an appropriate exit plan. And an exit can include a lot of things. It could be a, an outright sale. It could be a merger. It could be a spinoff. Or it could be alternatives they might not even think of, like an, um, an ESOP, selling it to your employees under an ESOP plan. Um, so going to the right professionals, I think, will open up the alternatives for, um, you know, for the business owner uh, and avail themselves of, of options that they probably wouldn't have even considered. The last point that I would uh, ask clients to do is really to start the cleanup process. And again, this is something that should be done in conjunction with their professionals. Um, they may not have done a good job of doing simple things like, you know, board resolutions um, or written consents. Uh, they may need to finalize certain agreements or, or get uh, some, um, you know, open issues off the shelf in order to really maximize their, their value. So going through um, all of the type of due diligence items that, you know, a, a buyer or a suitor is going to be looking for, uh, it makes a lot of sense to go through that with the professionals and start the cleanup process now 
uh, again, it will shorten the actual um, sale or exit strategy process and uh, perhaps uh, you know increase the potential targets who might be interested in looking at the company um, because they'll see that the company's acting that the company's management team, excuse me, you know really has its act together um, and has uh, thought this out and planned out um, all aspects of the uh, the possible exit. Yeah, great advice. And and so those clients that maybe haven't taken this advice, have you seen any common mistakes among them? Yeah, the answer is you, you do. Um, what what normally happens in these situations is the process uh, takes longer than they anticipate. Um, it ends up with a lot of frustration on both the buyer side and the seller side. Um, it usually ends up devaluing the value of of, of, of the business. Um, owners don't always appreciate that, um, but believe me, you know a, a good uh, a good plan that's put together uh, early on significantly increases uh, significantly increases the value. Yeah. In fact, I can tell you one one company where I can give you an example where they did it the right way. Uh, it's about two years ago at this point, uh, but the company came to us, uh, set up their plan, told us what they wanted to do, told us what they thought the valuation of their company was. Um, and after an analysis with uh, you know our firm and the investment banking firm, they ended up closing um, a sell price uh, that was uh, in excess of uh, ten million dollars north of their their original uh, price. So that was about a thirty percent increase in price. Um, can make a big difference to families. Yeah, and do you think that that value change was primarily a result? Of being prepared, or the process of. I think there was in. no question that it was a result of being prepared and thinking through a strategic plan, um, and bringing in the right professionals to help get their deal done, because they don't they didn't even realize the value of certain assets in their company. Um, but that's again, that's where professionals come in because they see this stuff every day, and you know sometimes uh, you know owners might be hesitant because they're saying, well, you know, it's going to cost me X dollars. Well, it's not going to cost you X dollars uh, if it's going to increase your value. Uh, you know, in excess of those uh, those additional dollars, and allow you to get to the you know the end game uh, in a much you know smoother and, and faster uh, transaction than might otherwise be the case. So I, I think that's a motivating factor for the owners that choose to you know partake in an, in an exit plan in an orderly fashion. But unfortunately, the statistics are that you know ninety percent of owners don't have a plan before they exit, and they kind of fumble through and then. Unfortunately, I've heard 70% of deals never get done. So that is that is correct. So you know what what, what do you what's the best? And then they blame everybody but themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, owners need motivation, and and you know, I think you and I might try to motivate them with this this ability to increase their value. And the pushback that I often hear is, you know, I'm busy fighting fires every day. So where how how have you been able to persuade owners to take action? and start doing their planning. You know, one way that I do it is out of the office. Uh, that type of interview, if you will, between myself and the, and the owner, uh, I prefer to do sort of at a dinner or lunch meeting where people tend to be more relaxed and they're really focused on the conversation. Uh, you know, then can give some thought overnight while they're sleeping, basically, to, to some of the points that are being made. Um, and I, I find that to be sort of successful. I, I think it's very difficult to have an initial meeting uh, in, inside the office, because now they're focused on you know the, the problems that you're looking at, you know, minute to minute, uh, and certainly I understand those, those problems. But for something as important as a potential exit strategy, um, they need to put you know all the problems aside and just and just focus on the task at hand. 
And and so kind of with that in mind, you know, once once they've made this decision to take control and invest the time, at some point they need to bring in their management team and, you know, also to discuss with their external stakeholders what, what they're looking for. H- how do you suggest owners go about that process once they've committed to the idea of an exit? Um, I find that that sort of changes from client to client. It really depends upon the personality and chemistry between, you know, the, the client and, and the employees per se. Uh, one of the things that I like to recommend that my clients do is to sort of have ongoing valuation strategy discussions, if you will, with their management. Um, not to say that, you know, per se we're looking at selling the company, um, but to say, hey, look, you know, it's the benefit of all of us because we're, we're a team here to always look at what, what our value is and, and what is the best way to maximize our value uh, for not only owners, of course, but also for, for senior managers and other members of, um, of our company. Um, and, you know, if you have those kind of discussions with them on a regular basis, then someday when that transaction does appear, you know, it's not as big a shock, you know, for the family, if you will, or for the senior management team, um, because they sort of understand that the strategy has always been to try and maximize value for everybody. Uh, and it include things like, you know, succession uh, discussions, not just exit strategy discussions um, with, with, with management and with members of family. And I think all that helps um, to sort of achieve a daily management goal that everybody's on the same page. And then, again, when the transaction comes, it's easier to sit down with people and say, hey, you know what, uh, you know that we've always looked at opportunities, we've always looked at uh, valuation strategies, well, here's one that may be of interest to all of us. Why don't we sit down and talk about it and see what we think? Yeah. And and how about the the owner that hasn't done any of that advance planning? Have you have you sat in on any meetings where an owner talked to his team about this upcoming exit and maybe some do's and don'ts that you've noticed if you're going to have that you know springing it upon them type event? Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're going to sort of spring it upon them, um, what I find that most owners do, and I and I don't necessarily recommend this, um, is, is they keep everything very quiet and very inside until you're essentially at the closing table. Uh, and then at the end of the day, when they, when they have successfully closed a transaction, they go back to their office and they tell everybody, oh, by the way, I've just sold the company. Um, I would tell you that that's, a, that's something I do not advise my clients to. I think that's it leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Everybody gets overly nervous, overly anxious, and, and is concerned about their job at that point. Um, so where I see it, when I see it work, it, it usually works that when the point that the management team, the owner, if you will, gets through the letter of intent, because he wants to make sure that he has a real deal on the table, um, he then includes management and has a meeting and says to them, quite frankly, that, you know, here's a term sheet, here's a letter of intent that I, that I received. He may not share all the terms of that because, it may, you know, the, the financial details may not be anybody's, um, you know, business, depending upon who's at that meeting. Um, but he will often at least, you know, share what his uh, strategies are and whether he intends, you know, to stay on board and, and uh, continue with the company or not. Oftentimes, uh, the transition teams uh, stay in place for, for quite a long time, and that provides a bit more comfort to, to managers that uh, there may be some, some new owners in who are putting capital into the company, but essentially management is going to, you know, stay the same. So, uh, you know, nobody's job is at jeopardy, and, um, you know, the company's going to be better financed, so we're going to finally be able to achieve some of the goals that we've been putting off, you know, that sort of thing. You always look for, you know, whatever positive uh, thresholds might exist 
um, in the exit plan to begin with and, um, and, and try to, uh, you know, have the employees understand or the manager team understand um, that this is something of, of value to them as well. It's a good thing, not a bad thing. And, and kind of taking that same attitude towards family members, you know, obviously you want clients to introduce the concept early on to their family members that, you know, this is a process, not a transaction. We've got to have discussions around succession. We need to think about the value of this company and are we better holding this asset or another asset. But for those families that aren't as proactive, you know, how do you suggest infusing that conversation? Do you think spouses are often involved early? Do you think children get involved? What's your What's your general take on that? Yeah, I would I would say that um, you know to the extent you can get spouses and children involved earlier, I think that's better for the for the same reason. Uh, it just makes it e- I think it makes it easier on the entire family in the end, other than being surprised at the end. Um, but as part of any of that planning, whether it's the spouse or the children, you have to you have to decide whether you want those. Uh, at the same meeting or whether you want separate meetings. Um, a lot of that depends, again, upon the chemistry between the children and, and the spouse. I mean, it could be a situation, you know, where the children are from a first marriage and he's now married uh, to somebody, uh, in, in, you know, in a second relationship uh, who might not necessarily see eye to eye. So in, in some of those meetings, it might make more sense to have, um, you know, those meetings separate and apart. Um, but it, part of the agenda for those meetings should, you know, once again be focused on trying to uh, explain to the family members uh, not only why you think it's appropriate uh, that uh, perhaps somebody new uh, come in place to, to take over the company who understands, you know, my vision and legacy as an owner, if you will, um, and how that ultimately is going to benefit to all, all members of the family, um, you know, and, and what the positive attributes of, of such an exit strategy are, uh, you know, for their individual positions. So some of the families that I've seen, which, again, maybe it's not uh, quite a best practice, but uh, perhaps it's better than nothing in some cases, is they have this kind of conversation around estate planning with their estate planning attorney. And, you know, they're talking about, well, maybe I'm going to gift you some shares because we're going to have this transaction and here's what it might mean for you, um, or this is some planning that I'm doing and we're setting up these trusts. But, but what I find is that when, when parents take that tact with their children, it becomes very focused around the money and the financial aspects of a deal and not necessarily the emotional transition for both the parents that are operating the business and the children, which may or may not be employed there. Uh, and, and, and therefore, they're not getting to some of the heart of the issues, which is how, you know, how's dad going to spend his day and is mom going to go crazy with him at home or whatever the issues might be. Have you seen that in any of your experience? Are you participating? In I, 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 I've seen that a lot, and I can't agree with you you know, more fully in, in that if you talk to them, if you have the meeting with the estate planning attorney and you're talking about, you know, uh, we're setting up these trusts and I'm gifting you this or I'm gifting you that or whatever it is, everybody's focused on, on the money aspect. I think that at least initially the conversations with, whether it's children or or, or, or spouse, um, you know, I, I want to do this for, you know, the reason I've been, you know, working less, you know, 50 years of my life. Um, you know, I need to slow down. It's good for my health. It's going to, you know, I want to spend some time traveling. You know, whatever it is, you want to bring out that family emotion that say, this is important to me, you know, that I, I've, I've worked hard to build this business, um, and, and now I want to spend, you know, the you know next decade of my life, hopefully in good health, you know, enjoying a little bit of the fruits of, uh, you know, the last 50 years of my hard work. Uh, I, I think children uh, and, and spouses will understand that and, and welcome that message. You know, um, more than the financial end. 
uh, then they're all of a sudden now they're on your side saying, you know, this is a good thing for my, my father to do, for my mother to do, or for both of my parents to do, um, so that they can, you know, in, enjoy uh, some of the remaining uh, years in their life uh, while they're still healthy and young and, uh, and are able to. Um, and ultimately, you're going to get into the financial uh, conversations, but uh, I, I usually like to save those for down the road. And kind of staying along with that theme, you know, a lot of the owners that I talk to are concerned about the impact that the newfound liquidity might have on their family, very different than holding a closely held business interest. Now they have a a big pile of money, so to speak. And they want to make sure their legacy is going to be long-lasting and positive and that they're not going to have, you know, entitled grandchildren that uh, make demands and, you know, don't, don't work hard diligent and productive members of society. What kind of insights would you have to share with those owners that might be listening and thinking about that potential outcome? Well, it's you know, whenever you have an exit strategy situation, it's sort of very difficult to uh, get into an owner's head and, and find, you know, what is the right formula for him, because it's going to be different for every single owner. Um, you know, the first issue he's got to deal with is whether or not my business can transition to my family. Um, or whether that might not be the best interest of the family. Uh, there might be children that are very capable of running the business but have no desire to. Uh, there may be children that have a lot of desire to run the business but don't have the, the acumen or the personality um, or the get-up-and-go in, in order to keep it as a successful organization. Um, so in, in certain situations, it may be better to transition to uh, you know a third party rather than to the family. Um, now, going out and finding a third party that's going to understand, you know, the vision, the vision and the legacy of, of the owner is not an easy thing. Um, but, again, I think that's where professionals can come in, uh, whether it be financial advisors or especially investment bankers, uh, where they can go out and really, because they know the market, they know the industry, um, go out and really assist um, the owner in, in, in seeking the right team, if you will, um, who can and go on with the particular vision and legacy that, that an owner has while making sure that we're doing the right thing by the family members in terms of, um, uh, you know, their financial uh, longevity and, and, you know, uh, stability, if you will, over, over the decades to come. Can, can you share with our listeners a story that maybe you were personally involved in about owners that, that didn't take this decision uh, perhaps to... Uh, in, in a very well thought out way, and they they were given some advice. They ha- might have had to make a difficult decision, whether it was terminating a family member, or, you know, they didn't develop a disability plan. Some, something that they didn't do because maybe they were they were fearful of the consequences. But the the resulting, you know, the the, the short sightedness that they had uh, resulted in maybe something that was a little bit worse. Well, I, the, the most difficult decision I think for any owner is to terminate a family member uh, because they don't think that that family member is, is, is the right person for uh, the best interest of the company, if you will. Uh, it's difficult because of, you know, the emotional, the emotional baggage that goes with that kind of decision. And, yeah, I've seen a lot of situations where owners fail to do the right thing by the company uh, because they don't want to, you know, sort of look their family in the, in, in the face and say, you know, it's just not working. I'm sorry, but it's not working, and so we, we need to, you know, we need to adjust our plan or do something differently, or perhaps you need to get, uh, you know, more years of experience or more education or whatever it is in order to be able to fulfill this role properly. 
and, and try and create a situation that they either understand that um, you know it's a two-way street and they need to they need to help lift some of the weight uh, to move the company forward, or they got to get out of the way. Um, I've seen many a situation where an owner has refused to deal with that situation, sort of like an adult, if you will, uh, and deal with it head on, uh, and it ended up resulting in uh, nothing but family turmoil and, and many times, you know, destroying the value that's in the company to begin with. Yeah, and I guess that's uh, kind of to my point, which I, I, in the cases that I've seen this happen, a lot of times they're destroying value that they've created over a lifetime. And, and they don't the see end, that. Yeah, it's really harming the people that they're helped. So they might, you know, they they want to put the best interest of their children first in some instance, and they want to keep them employed, and they don't want to demoralize them or have a conflict with their spouse or their other children. Uh, but in the end, they really give up everything. Um, right. And, yeah. uh, and, and in the in the end, you know, the the family member that was terminated would rather um, be in a situation where he or she was terminated, but they, you know, have a trust or something now. Um, you know, to their to their benefit that helps you know provide support to them in the future and stability from an economic standpoint, as opposed to losing it all. You know, if they were ultimately given that choice, they would they would probably chose the financial stability uh, over the family turmoil. Uh, but people don't think about that uh, up front unless you know unless I think they have the prop, the proper guidance and somebody helping support them through those decisions. Yeah. So I, I guess the moral of uh, these stories that you and I could probably share for a long time. The owners that are listening is if you if you do face one of these difficult decisions, call a wise counselor. And if you don't have that person already on your team, be it your accountant or your attorney, uh, look for one because there are people out there that want to help you overcome these issues and do what's best in the long-term interest of your family. And oftentimes they require you taking a step back and maybe uh, taking a different position and, and looking at things through a, t- a different perspective. And oftentimes we can even assist the owner in having those discussions with that family member. Um, I've been in meetings where I've sat with you, if you will, with disgruntled family members, um, but helped the owner achieve the goal that the owner wasn't able to do by by himself um, and, and get a message across to that family member uh, that in the end is taken as, as a positive and not as a negative. Um, you know, people have a lot of common sense. So they, they, they get the picture. Uh, sometimes they may not like hearing some of the issues as you go through them, um, but in the end, if they do understand that what you're trying to accomplish um, is in their best interest, you're not trying to hurt them, um, they often come along. And, and, I guess the and it saves the family. Yeah, when, when I facilitate family meetings um, for, for business owners that are preparing a transition, I often talk about a code of silence that exists, and you know, there are these family secrets that every and my job as a facilitator and as a counselor to families is to help break that code of silence, get the issues on the table. And I think uh, what's what's been most rewarding is that in my experience, by putting the issues out front and dealing with them head on, that you know, it, it's amazing how resilient families can be when you are willing to talk about things. Uh, have you shared that experience as well? Very, very, very much so. I, I thought your point was was very well taken. So how about the, uh, kind of the opposite and, and the clients that you may have been working with that had to make difficult decisions that did it with courage and conviction? Do you have any stories like that that you can share so maybe our owners can identify uh, with some success stories? The, yeah, the answer is yes. I mean, we, I had I had one client um, that had 
an issue with um, a family member and whether to continue with that family member or not. Uh, ultimately, it was determined that it was not going to be in the best interest of um, either the business or, or the family member. Uh, they were able to sit down and have you know, an intelligent discussion regarding uh, what really was in the best interest of the family, uh, what the potential exit strategies were, uh, and ultimately what happened in that case is they ended up hiring us as counsel and the professional investment banker as counsel, uh, reviewed and, and, and planned an exit strategy um, that, if you will, include a family member. Um, at the end of the day, what happened was a very successful uh, transition uh, to a new owner uh, that included uh, both the owner and the family member uh, as uh, management members of that team, senior management members of that team, uh, for, th- for a three-year period. Uh, and the added value that was brought to the company as a result of um, having the right exit plan and strategy at work from, from the get-go uh, significantly increased the price of their, uh, of, of their sale. Uh, in excess of about $7.5 million. Um, so it ended up being meaningful to the family members. And uh, they were able to work together as uh, you know members of the management team on a go-forward basis, which provided additional uh, stability. They had, some, they had some very serious, I'll call, earn-out potential involved. Uh, and because they were able to come together as a family and work together for the next you know, couple of years of that employment, uh, they earned all of their earn-out uh, provisions. Uh, which brought about another five or six million dollars to the table for them uh, at the end of the day. That's great. Yeah, so it ended up being a very successful result. So, and, and anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that maybe are contemplating their exit, uh, based on all of your experience and working with various companies at various stages in time? I, I, I guess every situation is, is somewhat unique. You know, every family is is unique. You know, every industry has. Um, you know, it's it's positives and negatives to it. Um, so I can't emphasize uh, enough that the earlier you start talking to your professional advisors, the better off you are. Uh, at, at some point, you know, you're going to exit the, 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 the business, whether you sell it, uh, whether you merge it, uh, whether you do an ESOP with your employees, or whether you die. Um, so it makes sense to begin thinking about this stuff very early on in the process. Uh, plan for it. Uh, strategize over it and uh, make available to yourself and to your family as many options as possible. Sounds great. So, uh, Bruce, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, and I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you if they have questions or follow-up. So why don't you tell them the best way to either call you, email you, go to your website. What's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, they can always call me. My name, again, is Bruce Rosetta. My phone number is 5 Six one nine five five seventy six hundred. My email address is Rosetto B at gtlaw.com. That's R O S E T T O B at gtlaw.com. Or you can look me up at Greenberg Trog, which is www.gtlaw.com. Um, and my entire bio uh, and history will be on the website. Sounds great. Bruce, thanks for joining us today, and thanks to our listeners. Catch us for another Divestopedia podcast. Visit us online and look at our blog posts and a ton of content around exit planning. We hope you find the information valuable, and we look forward to having you join us again. Thank you, Noah. Appreciate it very much. 
Thanks for listening to the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast. Make sure to visit us on the web at divestopedia.com to see more of our resources for entrepreneurs who want to sell their business for the best price and terms. Whether you are thinking of selling, have started the sales process, or are post-deal, we aim to arm you with the knowledge required to maximize value and limit your downside risk. If you have any questions about today's podcast, you can contact your host, Noah Rosenfarb, a CPA and personal CFO to business owners planning their transition at 855-540-0400. Please be sure to rate us on iTunes and give us your feedback. Until next time, this is the Divestopedia Exit Strategy Podcast.